Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Marvelous. I'm a member of Grace Church here. So um, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, you're very, very welcome. And uh, it's exciting today. I know you, want, you just can't wait to go off to, to the picnic. So, um, But I can assure you that God has something more exciting for you, us all today. Um, so today I'll be continuing our series on Matthew. And like we always say, it's all about being with Jesus. We've seen um, a very good example through the baptism this morning and what God does in our lives, in people's lives. Um, so just before I go on, I would like to pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much that we are experiencing the power of your resurrection. Um, I submit myself this morning to you that you would do what you want to do in the life of your people, Lord. Take away every barrier and bless us with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So our reading this morning will be coming from um, Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. Um, then later on, I will touch on um, 10 to 15, but I would be reading it out in the first instance. And I read 28. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Hallelujah. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Angels do wear clothes. <laughs> Four, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He who was crucified, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Hallelujah. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb and afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, my brothers, my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a great story right there. Um, that's actually something that happened in history. So I'm not reading fiction. I'm not talking about something that never happened. This is real, as real as it comes. At a point in time in history, Jesus rose from the dead. And because he did, we are here. I'd like you to do something this morning. If you just blink your eye, yeah, that's the power of his resurrection. That quick. Praise God. That quick. Hallelujah. You know, in Matthew 20 from verse 17, for the third time, Jesus talked about his death. The interesting thing is that he was almost very specific. Talked about how he would be handed over by the high priest and the elders to the Gentiles, how they would mock him, um, insult him, molest him, and uh, pass illegal judgment on him, and ultimately crucify him. And 
as Jesus kept repeating this, the disciples each time wondered, why does he keep saying this? But for today, my topic is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He talked about his death, but each time, the three times in Matthew, he ended up by saying, and I would rise on the top day. So do we fully appreciate the implication of Jesus' resurrection as Christians? I know that everyone talks about Jesus died and uh, rose again from the dead and gave us freedom. Hallelujah. What does it mean to you, really? Why did he have to die? Why wasn't there another way? What does it truly mean to be free? What is it that you are free from? These are very important questions for believers. The Bible considers the doctrine of resurrection as basic. Basic means that it's class one, just like primary one, basic. If you look at um, Hebrews 6 verse 1, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings. Now what are the elementary teachings? Teachings about Jesus Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance, basic, from the acts of death, um, of faith in God, basic, and about the cleansing rites and the laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, class one. <laughs> Anybody that's graduated from this class, all of this, this is basic Christianity. And if you feel any of this is not something you are well grounded in, reach out to the church. I think there are a lot of training and programs to really get us grounded in the word of God. We cannot be missing the basics. So the power of his resurrection, what does it mean? Paul did pray a prayer in Ephesians 3 verse 10. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He understood something at a point in his life that there was something beyond the day-to-day -day coming together of believers and the ordinary rituals and ordinances that we commit ourselves to, that there was a power at play. Praise God. There was a power at play, and Paul wanted to understand what does this really mean? It was his earnest prayer, his heart desire. Do we desire that today? Do we seek to understand and live out the power of God's resurrection in our life? I'll give you some basic definitions of resurrection as per my reading through the Bible. Um, one is that it's, it's a phenomena whereby an, a man's immortal spirit uh, reunites with his body, and it could be the one he died from or a new one. Praise God. Um, resurrection is also central to Christian doctrine. So every group and doctrine out there, they argue, but in the end, everybody agrees that resurrection is key. No matter the denomination, at least we all agree on that one. Another key important thing is that every man, all men that have died or are alive today would experience resurrection. In Acts chapter 24, verse 14 to 15, the Bible talks about, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15, nails it completely. Talks about everybody standing before God in judgment, both the living and the dead, the dead and hell giving up the dead in them, so that everybody will stand before God. Everybody resurrected, standing before God. 
If you have evil leaders that have died and you think they've gone away with it, sorry, they are coming back. They would face judgment. If you're here today and you're contemplating suicide because life is difficult, no need. You'll be resurrected. Just pray and stand with God. It is not the answer. Praise God. And there's someone here, but it is not the answer. So everybody will be resurrected. And generally, resurrection will always reunite our spirit and our body, like I said. But sometimes, people return to the same body. We see the example of Lazarus, the example of the only son of a widow in Luke 7, verse 11. But some other times, resurrection is about returning to a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 talks about how we would be resurrected into an unperishable body. Praise God. Now, why I'm going through all this is to get us to a place where when we talk about the power of resurrection, then it truly makes sense. So specifically, there are several examples in the Bible of people being brought back. But there's only one example where they came back and did not die again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The very first time that anyone died, rose from the dead, and is alive today. Praise God. And we still see his activities in the life of individuals. We've heard the great testimony of what Jesus still does. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Praise God. And if you're caught up in history, arguing about was there a Jesus, was he alive? Like I said to a taxi driver that got arguing, so I said to him, God speaks to me. Why not try praying and he will speak to you so you stop arguing? <laughs> Praise God. Because we serve a believing God. He's not dead. He's alive. He reaches out to us. He touches lives. Instead of arguing for too long, let people face the humility of just trying to talk to him. He would answer them. Amen. Jesus is the firstborn among many. Colossians 1 verse 18. His resurrection means that we too would face resurrection. Now, there are some key things that we have to understand to fully appreciate the significance of resurrection in the life of believers. Four things. Sin, death, the grave, and hell. We need to understand these four things to appreciate resurrection. First is that the Bible is very clear that everyone who breaks the law sins. 1 John 3 verse 4. Which means sin can only happen if there is an instruction not to do something. We see Adam and Eve where God said to them that the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. A law is made. God's word cannot fall to the ground. And they went ahead in Genesis 3 and ate that fruit. And they did certainly die. But the important thing there is that Adam still lived for more than 100 years after them. So what is death? That brings me to the second one. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all come from that root. And most importantly, because sin is transferable through birth. Oh, a new baby has sinned. Yes, because sin is a state of existence rather than only the action. It's a status that you are born with. Why? Because you come through Adam. You are born in sin. 
Psalm 51 verse 5 makes that very clear. In sin did my mother conceive me, in sin was I born. And what is the wages of sin? Death. Imagine being born already in sin with a verdict of death. Everyone. That was the condition of humanity until on that fateful morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. The power of death was so strong. Without sin, death has no power. It is the sting. Sin is the sting of death. Without sin, death has no power. And that's why Satan, understanding death, which simply meant that since he was kicked out of relationship with God, then something was created that meant that people could be without God in their life. And that was the same warning that was given to Adam. You shall surely die. You shall surely be cut off from a relationship with me. Satan that was already cut off deceived them and they became cut off. And through that, death had power to start oppressing, to create fear. You see people rotting in a way, dying away. You look at the whole of humanity and life. You see signs of degradation, death in operation. And because death found its way through sin, and because the enemy deceived us into letting that power come true, mankind became slaves to death. And because man could just not live without sinning because of the nature of sin, it was a round robin. And God did everything we see in history, gave them instructions. Don't do this, don't do this. Maybe we'll find a way man failed again and again and again. It was a hopeless situation. The other one is grave. I define it quickly. For me, it is basically where we put dead people. But until Jesus came, that was what it is. And as we read in the passage today, when Jesus died, he was taken to the grave, and angels pulled off the stone, sat on it, and was resting. <laughs> grave is now a place of rest, not a place of lost hope. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus again and again will say, they sleep, they sleep. You look at Paul throughout, no matter how a believer, when a believer dies, he says he sleeps. Because for every believer, there is an activation code in your life called the power of resurrection. The Bible says, for the same power that raised Jesus from dead is alive and active in us. And this power will be activated someday. So no matter what death does with your body physically, no matter what happens, whether you are alive or dead when Jesus comes again, you will be activated. For people that love software, maybe Chris could tell us how that code will be sent. The Bible says it's going to be a trumpet, the twinkle of an eye. Code. <laughs> Praise God. The twinkle of an eye. And we would all come alive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, because of these conditions, then there is hell. Psalm 16 verse 10 talks about Hell being the realm of the death, where people's soul and spirit is caught up in everlasting confusion. Not tied to any form of body that enables you to interact or impact anything. To be lost, just lost for eternity. That's hell. For Jesus to save us, 
he had to go through all four of these to really make a difference in our life. Jesus had to, number one, become a man. And then he had to go, he had to die. But Jesus was sinless. How would he die? The truth is, the Bible said the enemy comes and finds nothing in me. Death could not kill Jesus. Jesus would have lived forever. Jesus had to become sin for death to affect his life. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, he became sin even unto death. He took the nature of sin that is ours. Now, let me... Now, understand this about the nature of sin, that how could Jesus take our nature of sin, really? When he came to the upper room, Jesus sat with the disciples, and he was unfolding a mystery right in front of them. Jesus triggered a marriage, a new covenant, his body, his blood, and he signed a new contract that allowed him to wed humanity. And because of that wedding, suddenly the two became one, and sin was in his life. Not because he sinned, but because the nature of sin by this wedding allowed Jesus to now be in a state where death can actually touch him. To us, he did that. Immediately Jesus came off the upper room. You see his prayer in Gethsemane. The Bible says he was broken. It was the very brokenness and nature that he has not had before. He was in a place where he experienced this nature of sin. And he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass, but your will be done. He was obedient, even in that nature. The first Adam was disobedient in the garden. The second Adam was obedient, submitted himself to God. And when Jesus came of Gethsemane, death moved very fast. Very fast, because it was like, I've been coming and I couldn't find anything on this man. And now I see him open for attack. Satan moved in quickly. Imagine what it takes for the whole city to hate you. People that you've loved, You've healed their sick. You've raised their children from the dead. You've fed 5,000 of them. You, and they just suddenly hate you. The Bible says that when, when Pilate said, this man has done nothing, he, they said, give us Barabbas. He said, what should I do with him? They said, crucify him. He said, his blood will be on you and not on me. They said, let it be on us and on our children's children. And they took him away and crucified him. How Satan moved quickly. But he lost the wisdom of God. That in all this, God was working out our salvation. Jesus went through sin. Therefore, he died. And he was put in a grave. Meeting every requirement. And he went into hell. The Bible says when he got into hell, he made a public display and disgrace of Satan. Utterly disgraced the enemy. 
Satan was about to face the shocker of his life. For the first time in history, a man could go from hell to life. Praise God. Until then, somebody had to call you out. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. For the first time, somebody called himself out. The power of resurrection. Jesus is alive. Jesus made all these conditions so that we can truly enjoy freedom. Colossians 2 verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It didn't stop there. If you look at Matthew 27, or 28 actually, there's a glimpse of a story where some dead people came to life and walked around the city. There's one where a curtain was torn and relationship with God restored. Now there's so much that goes into that which I wouldn't go into today. But the important thing here is that because Jesus died, the condition for our forgiveness, for our restoration, fully paid. The Bible summarizes this in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 to 7, this way. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised. And on the third day, according to scriptures, he appeared to many. Demonstrating clearly, and finally appeared to Paul. And today, he's still reaching out to real human beings on earth, to real lives. Look at everyone around you here. These are people that Jesus has reached out to. He's not dead. He's alive. Praise God. Hallelujah. What does that mean then? Because of what Jesus has done. The Bible says that there is a day that is coming. In the twinkle of an eye, a trumpet will sound. And people will disappear. Some people call it the rapture of believers. It is coming. As sure as you saw the morning this morning, as sure as everybody that is sitting around you, the essence of the power of resurrection is that in you is the power making you ready for that flight. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 to 17 has that story. You could read it later. But it says, Jesus is coming back. And we would fly with him. We would be with him because of the power of resurrection. Because he came. He conquered. And our freedom is sure. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, so we shall always be with him because he has done this for us. What does this mean for you today? The Bible also says that not everybody is taking that flight. 
whether you're alive when this happens or you've passed before then, it's the same for believers. The Bible says that those that have slept in Christ will go first. And all that are alive in a twinkle of an eye will be transformed into a brand new glorified body. And we would always be with him. Now, whether we are with him in the new heaven or the new Jerusalem or Abraham's bosom, doesn't matter. We would always be with him. Praise God. This is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That as worst as it gets on earth and how bad it ever gets, we are activated and ready to go. So I'll say to you today, how do you start living your life like Jesus is alive? Are you living like he's dead? Because you can't pray. You want to handle all your problems yourself. You want to face challenges. You want to give up. You treat your salvation like it doesn't matter. The power of his resurrection is active in you. And as you submit to the Holy Spirit, you would more and more realize that what God has done for us, no one could have done it. No one else. Praise God. I'd like to call up the band. As I conclude that, give ourselves a moment to reflect, to pray, and to think. 